Hi, welcome to another episode of When the Scriptures Become Real. A podcast where we learn, where we study, where we grow, where we try to become the best versions of ourselves that we can for the Lord. Today, what we want to talk about uh, is kind of a special topic. It's something I've I've been studying about for a while, and I've wanted to to do this one, but I wanted to do it when I thought uh, thought I had enough material and thought when I was ready to do it. Uh, what we want to talk about today is we want to talk about the topic: Why do Christians shoot their wounded? Why do Christians shoot their wounded? Well, you know, Jordan, that sounds kind of sounds kind of dark. You know, why are we why are we studying a topic like this? Well, I think we need to study a topic like this because. We have to understand the tactics of Satan. We have to understand that he wants us as the soldiers of Christ who are fighting this spiritual battle. He wants us to turn against each other because if we turn against each other, then guess what? Then that's less work for him to do. So he'll let us fight against each other. And so what we're going to do today is we're going to talk about three things, three reasons why I think that Christians today shoot their wounded. Number one, I think Christians shoot their wounded because sometimes we expect nothing less than perfection. And we'll get into that later. There's so much that we can get into. Then number two, another reasons why another reason why Christians shoot their wounded is sometimes if you as a Christian, if you're dealing with a problem, and no matter what problem that is, then you really aren't a Christian and you really don't have faith like the rest of us. You know, sometimes we put ourselves in a circle and when you're dealing with the problem, then we exclude you until you get yourself fixed. There's things that we need to talk about there, too. Then number three, I think sometimes Christians shoot their wounded because ultimately we make ourselves the standard rather than what God says. And so sometimes we feel as if people have to cater to us, please us rather than pleasing God. All right, so those are the things we're going to look at today in our study. All right, so let's start with with number one. Why do Christians shoot their wounded? Because sometimes we expect nothing less than perfection from each other. You see, sometimes we catch ourselves when we when we teach the scriptures, whether it's at uh, our local congregations, whether it's at our 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 camps that we go to, or or our lectureships, whatever it is. Sometimes we tend to make the accounts or the characters in the accounts perfect. And so therefore, when we preach that, when we teach that, whether it's a women's class, whether it's a young ladies class, whether it's an adult class, whether it's a men's class, we tend to make that character in the account perfect. And so you're teaching that this guy or this woman or this young girl always made the right choices, always did the right things, never had to fail, never had to grow, never had to go through any adversity in life. And so when we teach that a certain character is perfect, what are your listeners, what do they think? They think, okay, the problems that I'm dealing with right now, I have to be perfect like this guy is talking about. Because if I'm not perfect, then there's a problem with me. And so sometimes as the teacher, sometimes when we see brethren not perfect or not acting like a certain character in the scripture, then we feel as if they, they don't, they're not enough. And so think of the, the uh, what's the word? Think of the negative effects that that could have on your audience. If you're constantly showing them 
that you have to be perfect like this character in the scripture and they know they're going through certain things in their lives and when they don't meet that expectation they're going to feel like they're not worthy they're going to feel like they're less than they're going to feel like they're not enough and once they get to that level in their mind whatever they're going through they're going to keep doing it because they don't feel like they can reach the level that you want them to reach and so sometimes I think inadvertently as Christians we shoot our own wounded because we expect nothing less than perfection from people well how can you say that think of this example think about Joseph uh, if you have your Bibles and again if you're new to the podcast we're, we're happy to have you but with this podcast we talk about the Bible we let the Bible uh, explain everything we let the Bible uh, be our main source of commentary and our main source of knowledge so here get your phone get your tablet whatever you have and go to Genesis uh, Genesis chapter 37 and before we start I want you to think about this when you think about Joseph from the age of 17 here and Genesis 37 whenever you've heard it taught wherever you've heard the story or the account of Joseph taught have you ever heard anything negative about Joseph from the age of 17 and I thought about that for a while and I can honestly say I haven't of all the lessons that I've heard about Joseph whether it was in a young preacher's class whether it was in a young men's class whether it was in a sermon no matter what setting it was Joseph was always perceived as perfect from the age of 17 yes he had to go through certain things and he always passed the test and then when he was about 30 then God promoted him and so therefore you no matter how old you are you need to be perfect just like Joseph was you see I think that's where we find ourselves hurting each other because we don't teach it the text in context Notice this. Go to Genesis 37 and start in verse 2. And we're going to break this down a little bit. And we're going to notice that from Genesis 37, Joseph, he needed to grow out of some stuff. He had some, some negative attributes about him, but it's never taught. So notice this. Genesis 37 and start in verse 2. These are the generations of Jacob. Joseph, being 17 uh, years old, was feeding the flock with his brethren. And the lad was with the sons of Bilhah, and with the sons of Zilphah, his father's wives. And Joseph brought unto his father their evil report. Now Israel, or, Joseph, or Israel, or Jacob, watch this, loved Joseph more than all his children, because he was the son of his old age, and he made him a coat of many colors. And when his brethren saw that their father loved him more than all his brethren, they hated him. And they could not speak peaceably unto him. So think about this. If Joseph being 17 years old, Joseph knew that his father loved him more than his brothers. He was 17. He knew that. So Joseph had to deal with a little bit of cockiness. Well, how can you say that about Joseph? Notice this. Before see, people may have a misconception. They think Joseph's brothers started to hate him after the dreams that's not true Joseph's brothers hated him before the dreams even started and so notice what Joseph at the age of 17 decides to do and when Joseph dreamed a dream he told it to his brethren and watch this and they hated him 
What does the text say? Verse number five. Yet the more. Well, why did they hate Joseph yet the more? Because the two dreams that Joseph had were essentially telling his brothers, I'm better than you now. My father loves me more than you now. And so therefore, these dreams that I'm having, when I get older, guess you're still going to be better. Me. Therefore, his brothers hated him. So Joseph, from the age of 17, was not taught about him. Joseph had to learn humility. Joseph had to learn submission. Joseph had to learn about divine promotion rather than self-promotion. Well, how can you say that? I want to reference this book here. If you look at this, this is a great book to read by Brother uh, uh, John C. Maxwell. Uh, it's called The Most uh, 21 Most Powerful Minutes in a Leader's Day. And it goes through certain leaders in the scripture and what they had to go through. Now, I want you to notice what it says about Joseph. Notice it says this. Early in Joseph's life, Joseph's skill with working with people was weak. Notice this. Worse, Joseph lacked experience. Joseph lacked wisdom and Joseph lacked humility and all these three qualities only can be given to you throughout time it can't be given to you instantly so if you look at Joseph's life you can see that he had to gain those phases of leadership and if you if you go to this I want you to notice notice what he had to learn Joseph he had to understand that self-promotion, what he tried to do all the way at 17, can never replace God's divine promotion. His self-promotion that he did with his brothers when he told him about the dreams, guess what? That got him thrown in the pit. Then, remember with the butler and the baker when he interpreted the dream? And then he said, don't forget me. Tell Pharaoh about me, what I did, because I was wrongfully put here. Then... They forgot about Joseph and guess where Joseph had to stay for another two years to learn some more humility. He had to stay in jail. And so Joseph had to learn to be submissive as a slave. Now, imagine when you hear the lessons of Joseph. Now, imagine now that humanizes Joseph. That doesn't make Joseph this this Superman who never made a mistake. Yes, he did some great and wonderful things along the way. But he wasn't perfect. And so that can help us as Christians when we teach that now. Now we can say, look what Joseph grew from. He grew from cockiness. He grew from pride. He grew from self-promotion to letting God promote him. He grew to being submissive because he learned how to be submissive as a slave. You see, Joseph grew. That's what we need to start teaching about these characters in the scripture. The only person that was perfect was Jesus. And that's why we shoot our wounded sometimes. Because we exalt, we exalt God's people rather than exalting Jesus. You see, we try to make Joseph perfect. We try to make Moses perfect. We try to make other people perfect and paint them in this perfect picture. When the only person that's perfect is Jesus. And that's why inadvertently sometimes we shoot our wounded because we expect nothing less than perfection. Then number two, well, why, why else uh, do Christians shoot their wounded? 
Because sometimes when you're dealing with a certain problem in your life, no matter what the problem is, no matter how big or how small, if you're dealing with the problem, then sometimes as Christians, sometimes we feel like you don't have faith like the rest of us. Because as a Christian, everything in your life should be perfect. Or you should be perfect in whatever situation you find yourself in. And so when you're not perfect, then we automatically sometimes exclude you because you're not like us. Think about this. Turn your Bible to Luke chapter 15. <clears throat> Luke chapter 15. And and in this, this parable uh, of the prodigal son, it always talks about the heart. And this is what this parable really is about. It's about the heart of the Christians that are already in the kingdom. That's what this parable is about. And it also is dealing with a, a certain uh, certain type of topic. I was taught uh, in, in school about this. It's called spiritual teenagerism. But what does that mean? Next time on Sunday, wherever you worship, whenever worship is over, I want you to go out in the foyer or go in the parking lot or go wherever everyone really congregates after worship's over and i want you to notice the one group that's always in a circle it's always the teenagers they're always in that circle and sometimes in that circle it's very select who they let in that circle and sometimes this is what we do as the church we build our own spiritual circle and sometimes we put requirements on who can be in our personal circles. And if you don't fit that personal requirement, guess who can't be in there with us? You. Because why? Because you're dealing with the problem. Well, how can you say that? Well, let's let the text talk. Look at this. Luke chapter 15. Now, we have the parable of the, of the prodigal son here. Now, we know that the father represents God. And I believe the brothers represent the brethren in the church. We have the prodigal brethren who sometimes go out and do what they want to do, despite what the father says. Then we have the elder brethren who stay in the fold, but they feel a certain type of way about the people that leave. And then when they come back. So notice the prodigal son. Yes, he was just like Joseph. He was cocky. He wanted to do his own thing. But guess what the father let him do? Go on, do what you want to do. He goes out. He wastes his uh, his uh, his money on riotous living. Then he comes back. He realizes and he comes to himself, which that's what sin does. When you fall so low, it makes you think, okay, I don't need to be doing this anymore. Let me go back to my father. So he comes back and he repents to his father. Now, the main thrust of this parable is about the brethren that haven't left. Notice this. If you jump down. Uh, to verse number 26. Here's where we're going to start. The son comes back. They're singing. There's dancing. The, the prodigal son's back. Now watch this. And he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant, talking about the older brother. And the servant said unto him, Thy brother is come, and thy father hath killed the fatted calf, because he hath received him safe and sound. But notice, what was the attitude of the older brother? My Bible says, and he was angry and would not go in. That spiritual teenagerism. You see, sometimes the brethren that don't go anywhere, when a prodigal comes back, they have to jump through so many hoops just so they can get back in the group.
How's that fair? Let's keep reading. And he said, Thy brother is come. He's killed the fatted calf because he received him safe and sound. He was angry and would not go in. And therefore came his father out and entreated him. And he answering and said to his father, this is a key verse. Lo, watch how he says, look at how he, he makes this logic to the father. And he said, Father, lo, these many years do I serve thee. Neither have I transgressed, and neither at any time thy commandment. But you never gave me a kid that I may make my marry with my friends. Notice his logic here. This is what happens with brethren that don't go out. But when a prodigal comes back, this is their attitude to the father sometimes. Because you stayed here and you have all these blessings. And when the prodigal comes back and they automatically, they're entitled to the blessing because they're a Christian like you are. But when they come back, you don't feel like they deserve what you have. So the older brother said, father, look how many years I've been here. Notice he puts a time stamp on it. Then he says, look at how many years I served you. Then, all those years I served you, I didn't sin. I've been here this whole time. I got nothing out of it. I'm doing nothing, so why am I doing this? You see, that's what we do sometimes as well. You see, sometimes, and this is why we shoot our wounded. Because we base, we base faith on time spent in the church well, I've been going here for 45 years I've been doing the right things I, I've done all this good work but this this man comes back or this this woman comes back and they get everything that I've worked for how is that fair you see sometimes we put each other on a scale and sometimes we weigh oh, I've done more than you or I deserve more than you do so therefore since I deserve more then you shouldn't be a part of the group like us and notice, but as soon as this, thy son was come, notice his attitude. He's not even willing to call him his brother anymore. And that's why we shoot our wounded, because when they leave, essentially in our hearts as Christians, we say you're dead to me. That's exactly what the elder brother did. He said, no, he was out there with harlots. How do you know that? He had no idea. He just made a random assumption of what his younger brother was doing. Then he says, look, this your son came back. He's not mine. He's, he shouldn't even be uh, attached on to me because he's not perfect. You see, he's not perfect like me, father. He went out there and did his own thing. He's not like me. How is that right, Christians? You see what we do? We we shoot and we shoot and we shoot and we shoot and we shoot. And we wonder why we have all these problems in the church. Because when people need help, we shoot them. And we hurt them more and more and more. And they're bleeding. And spiritually, we're killing them. And that's exactly what the elder brother was doing here in Luke 15. He was killing his brother. And that's what we can't do. If we're dealing with a problem, help the brother with the problem. Instead of going back to your group, whether it's your family, whether it's your clique in the church, whether whoever it is, stop going back to your group and talking about the one person that left. You don't know what he's going through. 
You don't know what she's going through. You don't know the whole story behind why he did what he did. You don't know the whole story of why she did what she did. But instead of getting the story, instead of talking, we talk about them. And so we kill them with this, the tongue. What does James say? This thing is just like a fire. And we kill and we kill and we kill. And so why do Christians shoot their wounded? Because we expect nothing less than perfection, just like this elder brother. Why else? Because when we're dealing with a problem, just like the prodigal, we think you're not like us because you haven't served as well as I did. Then number three, why do Christians shoot their wounded? Because ultimately, just like this older brother, we make ourselves the standard rather than God. See, sometimes we feel as if you have to please me first. Then if you please me, then you'll please God because I follow him. So therefore, since I follow him and you can't please me, then God won't like it because I don't like it. You see what we end up doing? We make ourselves the idol. We say you have to fit us and you have to please us first. Well, notice this. Look at Acts chapter 10. And here's a here's a great example of that attitude. Acts chapter Acts chapter 10. And before we go there, here's some here's some background about it. Remember, back then, the Jews hated the Gentiles. The Jews thought of the Gentiles as dogs, hated them. And so Jew and Gentile didn't mix. You know, it, it was not right in their eyes, in a worldly eye for Jews and Gentiles to be together. And so in Acts chapter 10, God shows and tells Peter in verse number 28 of Acts 10, Peter says, and he said unto them, you know that it is an unlawful thing for a Jew to keep company or come to one of another nation. So Peter's saying, you guys know this is how the world works. Jews are supposed to supposed to go with Gentiles and vice versa. But notice what he says. But God showed me that I should not call any man common or any man unclean. And so through the the baptism of Cornelius and the conversion of Cornelius, Peter realizes what God's message was. Everybody needs the gospel and not just the gospel. Everybody needs to be together. That's what the message was. But I want you to notice what happens here. After Peter learns that lesson, he comes back to Jerusalem and I want you to notice what the brethren do. Watch chapter 11, verse 1. And the apostles and the brethren that were in Judea heard that the Gentiles received the word of God. So the congregation now was like, what are we doing associating with Gentiles? We shouldn't be doing that. See, sometimes in, in America, we've had our rifts with certain races too. And we do the exact same thing in the church. Well, why are we with those brethren? And then these brethren will say, well, why are these brethren starting to come in with us? You see what you see what's happening? We're shooting our wounded. And the thing about all this is we're doing Satan's job for him. We are making this so easy for him because we're killing each other. Now, I want you to notice they heard that the Gentiles received the word of God. And when Peter came up to Jerusalem, watch this verse two. They that were of the circumcision, those that were Jews, watch this. They contended with Peter. They were ready to fight him. What's wrong with you? Why are you over there messing with them? You know those type of people. Don't leave them alone. They're Gentiles. 
you know that it's it's unlawful for us to be with them. We can't eat with them. We can't be seen with them. What's wrong with you? But Peter, he explains, don't you call any man common or any man unclean like I used to. Because God showed me that. And notice, then the people at the end of verse number 18, notice this. And when they heard these things, so Peter goes and recounts everything that happened in Acts 10. Then when they heard these things, they held their peace and they glorified God, saying, Then hath God also to the Gentiles granted repentance unto life. And so this shows the good heart of those people there at Jerusalem. They were angry. They wanted to fight with Peter. But when they heard that this came from God, they were willing to change. Here's our question today. And here's one thing we have to do as a church. We can't plead ignorance and we can't try to hide problems because they're not going to get fixed. And at some point, things are going to blow. And so we got to be willing to to talk about these things, because if we're not, we're going to keep shooting our own our own people spiritually. But notice the people here. They had this prejudice. They had this racism. But then when they heard that God doesn't want this notice, then they change. They repented. Let's do that, brethren. Let's repent. Let's stop expecting perfection out of each other. Because I don't care if you've been preaching for 50 years and you baptize 3 trillion people. You're not perfect. I don't care how many lectureships you've preached at, how many books you've written, how many live TV shows you do, how many whatever. It doesn't matter. You're not perfect. And no matter how many good works you do, no matter how many good works I do, I will never be perfect. You will never be perfect. So let's stop making each other the standard. Let's make God the standard. Not me and you. Not what I want. Not what you want. What God wants. And just him solely. And if we start doing that and stop making people jump through hoops just to get a high or just to get a handshake from us. Let's actually listen to what God wants us to do. And let's stop shooting our wounded. And this this is sometimes here's the negative effect, especially on young people. And this and I'm talking to 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 teachers who teach young ladies. I'm talking to teachers who teach young men. Keep this in mind. You cannot expect them to be perfect. You can't do that. Even if they bear the name Christian, you can't expect them to be perfect. But what you can do as a teacher is be willing to tell them your faults and show them how you grew. And you can be willing to tell them uh, certain characters in the scripture, their faults. Tell them about Joseph's faults. Tell them about Abram's faults. Tell them about Moses's faults. Tell them about Peter's faults. And show that despite how they fell, God could still use them and God still valued them. Because when we expect perfection from our young people, when we expect perfection from the church, you'll never get it because we're not perfect. And so let's keep teaching.
Let's keep teaching. And so, let's stop shooting our wounded, but let's start healing our wounded. I hope you all enjoyed that podcast. Uh, this is something that I think all of us need to learn. And this is something that I've had to work on. I I will be the first one to tell you, I am nowhere near perfect. I've made mistakes. I've needed to grow. I've needed to be humbled. I've needed to learn. Some, I need to learn a lot of things. And I'm still learning. And I'm willing to teach that I needed to do those things because I, I'm not perfect. But I think that's helped me become a better teacher because of the things I've gone through and because of the mistakes and my immaturities. And I hope that you as a teacher, you won't be afraid to do that. Because remember, it's not about you anyway. And so let's heal our wounded and let's keep being the best we can be. Again, you can listen to this podcast on YouTube. When the scriptures become real, you can find it on iTunes there as well. You can also find this podcast on Spotify and you can find the link to this podcast on Twitter and then LinkedIn uh, if you use that professional uh, business site there. Again, if you all have any more topics that you want me to uh, to go through, DM me on Twitter, DM me on LinkedIn. You can also I think you can DM on on YouTube now. So, you know, let's continue to learn. Let's continue to grow and let's continue to be the best people that we can be for the Lord. Thank you.